please welcome your neighbor to your left and to your right to the presence of the Lord, and you may please be seated. I welcome you to dawn service today, Sunday, the 21st, August, 2022. Hallelujah. I want to press further on the subject, trusting God in uncertain times. I started this about two weeks ago, 7th of August. We are going to be in Psalm 46, from verse 1 all the way to 11, and Mark chapter 4, 35 to 41. Psalm 36. Sorry, I said 36, 46, I mean. 1 to 11. And we are going to be in Mark chapter 4 from verse 35 to 41. Trusting God in uncertain times. God is our refuge and strength. A very present help in trouble. Therefore will not we fear, though the earth be removed... And though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah, there is a river, the streams whereof shall make glad the city of God, the holy place of the tabernacles of the Most High. God is in the midst of us, she shall not be moved. God shall help her, and that right early. The heathen raged, the kingdoms were moved. He uttered his voice, the earth melted. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. Come, behold the works of the Lord, what desolations he has made in the earth. He maketh wars to cease unto the end of the earth. He breaketh the bow and cutteth the spear in sunder. He burneth the chariot in the fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the heathen. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. Selah. I'd like you to notice that that statement was earlier made in verse 7. Verbatim, repeated verbatim in verse 11. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge. In the middle of trouble, the psalmist said, I know that the Lord of hosts is with us. That's operating from knowledge. And I will emphasize on that a little bit this morning. Let's go quickly to Mark chapter 4. From verse 35 to 41. The gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Mark chapter 4 from verse 35 to 41. And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him, even as he was, in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship, so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And they awoke him, and said unto him, Master, carest not thou that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said to one another, What manner of man is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? The Lord bless the reading of his word in Jesus' name. 
trusting God in uncertain times. Undoubtedly, this is one of those moments or times and seasons that can be described as uncertain. Looking at the happenings around the world and looking at the happenings in our country and maybe bringing it home in our lives. But one thing that is certain is that when you hold on to God and you trust him, it will put you over and you will come out and you will outlast the storm. And I pray for everyone listening and everyone watching online and everyone here physically, whatever storm you're going through at this moment, you will outlast it in the name of Jesus. Sometimes storms can be global. Like the pandemic, the COVID-19 pandemic was a global storm. There are times that a storm may be communal, maybe where you live, in your community. There is a particular prevailing situation that is not palatable. At other times, a storm could be in a family. That is, maybe a family is going through collectively a, a tough time or an uncertain time. And sometimes a storm could be personal. It could be individualistic in nature. That is, you are the only one going through it at that moment. Like the case, we, we, we had the case of a man in John chapter 5, the man by the Pope Bethesda. We don't have a record that um, his family members had the same challenge. We don't know whether or not, but he was the only one there. And when the Lord Jesus asked him, would you be made old? He said, I have no man. So in other words, he had been isolated because of his situation, because of his condition. Don't tell me that he dropped down from heaven. He had a family. But because the situation persisted, nobody was there for him anymore. And you can't blame people. When the situation lingers beyond six months, you are likely to have lost some friends. When it lingers beyond two years, you are likely to have even lost some family members. And so you are likely to be alone. But the Pope Bethesda, that was a community of people that had different kinds of diseases. So they had formed a community, they had formed a colony, all of them with different situations. But then if you ask them, their storms were personal to them. Even though they were in a community, their storms were personal to them. That's the nature of a storm sometimes. Paul the Apostle said in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 8, We will not have you ignorant, brethren, concerning our trouble that came to us in Asia. Now, he was talking about the storms that he encountered in the course of the ministry. But he wasn't the only one. There were other uh, believers there with him. Some of them his companions as he traveled from country to country, from region to region. But also, he described another place in the scripture, a thorn in his flesh. That was a personal situation. He said, for this one, I've besought the Lord a number of times and said, the Lord said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. I've said all of that to say that there are times that the storm could be global, the storm could be national, the storm could be communal, the storm could be in the family, and then the storm could be personal. But whatever it is, whatever degree the, your storm may be, whatever degree your situation may be, whether it is communal or the family or, or the society or the nation at large or global or personal, I want you to know that God can be trusted. Can I have an amen? Times and seasons change, but we serve a God who does not change. In James 1.17, the Bible says every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from heaven, the Father of heavenly light, with whom there is neither variableness nor shadow of turning, meaning that God does not turn. God does not change. In Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6, he said, I am the Lord and I change not. And that's why you sons of Jacob, have not been consumed. It's a good thing to know that our God does not change. And to know that his mercy endureth forever. Why? Because he does not change. In Lamentations 3.21, the writer of Lamentations, Jeremiah said, This I recall to mind, then I have hope. He said, it is of the Lord's mercies that were not consumed. Because his compassions fail not. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I've said all of that to say that God does not change. Hebrews chapter 13 and verse 8, the word of God tells us Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. So even though the times are changing, the seasons are changing, we serve a God who does not change. Can I have an amen to that?
This morning, I want to press further. I gave you two points last week. And my two points to you last week were that, number one, when you are in a storm, when you are going through an uncertain season, you should pray that the Lord should reveal your, his love to you. Lord, I want you to reveal your love to me. Because, you see, when the storm happens, it, one of the things that the enemy tries to do is to convince you that God does not love you. What do you say to the woman with the issue of blood? It was a situation that persisted for 12 years. What do you say to the man by the pulpit? He had the situation of 38 years. What do you say to blind Bartimius? We don't know how many years he had, been, he had been blind. What do you say to the man that was born blind? Even the disciples said, maybe it was his sins. And Jesus said, no. One of the things that the enemy tries to achieve when you go through a storm or through an uncertain time or season is to convince you that God does not love you. Therefore, if you, if you are smart, if you want to outsmart the enemy, one of the things you must pray is that God reveal your love to me. I can tell you about the love of God. I can preach a whole year about the love of God. But unless you encounter that love yourself, everything I say will remain theoretical and it will not help you much. You need to experience the love of God. You need to encounter the love of God. And this is a work of the Holy Spirit. When this work is done in your life, when it's accomplished in your heart, nobody can take it away from you. Your, your spiritual life will take a new turn. When you know that you know that you know that you know in your heart, in your spirit, that God loves me. Not just God loves us. Yeah, we know that God loves the world. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. But have you come to the point in your walk with God when you know, when you genasco, the Greek word the genasco, when you know that God loves you, the day you come to that point, you will be a master over sickness and disease. You'll be master over depression. You'll be master over poverty and lack. You'll be master over every work of the devil. Now, this is not to say that you won't have challenges, but you will master them. There are two ways God delivers his children. One, he can deliver you from trouble. Two, he can deliver trouble into your hands. You master it. You become the Lord of it. Can I have an amen to that? When uh, David faced Goliath in 1 Samuel 17, he said to him, this day, media can help me check out the, the verse, this day, 1 Samuel 17, the Lord will deliver you into our hands. This day, the Lord will deliver you into our hand. Media, work on that for me. This day, the Lord will deliver you into our hand. This day, the Lord will deliver you into our hand. 1 Samuel 17, get me the verse. This day, this day, the Lord will deliver you, deliver you into our hand. Get that scripture for me, please. Quickly, quickly, just run through 1 Samuel 17. I didn't want to go there, but I have to go there now. <laughs> glory be to God. I said glory be to God. All right, that's verse 47. Verse 47. Now he says, and all this, this, this was David speaking, and all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with spear, for the battle is the Lord's, and it will give you into our hands. Can I have an amen to that? So God can bring the situation into your hand, bring the enemy into your hand, for you to do what? Crush it. And he can choose to deliver you from the situation. Psalm 91 verse 15, he shall call upon me, and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. So there are times he watches you, you get into trouble, but he's with you. Then what will he do? He said, then I will deliver you and honor you. So he can choose to deliver you by delivering you from trouble. He will be with you in trouble, deliver you from trouble, and then honor you. Or he can choose to put the situation into your hands. Deliver that thing into your hands. And then you take charge. Can I have an amen to that? Number two, I said you should meditate to have the revelation of the love of God. Number one is to pray, but don't stop at praying. Revelation is in the womb of meditation. 
God said to Joshua in Joshua 1.8, This book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but on it you shall meditate day and night. That thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then shall thou make thy way prosperous and thou shalt have good success. There is no alternative to meditation when you are looking for revelation. If you are hungry for revelation in any area of your life, you have a lingering issue, you have a protract, protracted situation. It is taking time, too much time. And you're almost getting weary. Hope deferred. The Bible says makes the heart sick. You need to make time. Take time out and meditate. There are scriptures that cover everything we go through. Every area of our lives. Get those scriptures and meditate on them. One word from God is enough. One word from God will turn your life around. It's not Genesis to Revelation. One that is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And in the place of meditation, you get that inspiration. Job 32 verse 8 tells us, There is a spirit in man, and the inspiration of the Almighty gives them understanding. When that inspiration comes, understanding comes. Can I have an amen to that? Can I have a better amen to that? Because the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching through all the inward parts of the belly. Proverbs 20, 27. So if you won't make time for meditation, then you won't make time. You have no time for revelation. Revelation takes you to the next level. Revelation makes you a master of the storm. Glory be to God. Woo! I said glory be to God. Revelation makes you a master. Write it down. Revelation makes you a master of the storm. Jesus was in that ship sleeping. What was the difference between Jesus and the disciples? Revelation. Jesus knew God was with him. He rested in the love of God. The psalmist said, the Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our refuge, Selah. If the Lord of hosts is with you, then will you drown? Can the Lord of hosts drown? Show me the river that will drown the Lord of hosts. When Jordan saw him, it ran back. It fled. When the little hills saw him, they started skipping like rams. So, what you know is what I want to emphasize this morning. What you know is key when you go through the storms of life. What you know. That's the major point I want to emphasize. What you know. I'm taking it from my second point on meditation. Meditation is where you get revelation. Revelation is in the womb of meditation. But then, so, through meditation, you will have the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God. What do you know about God? How much of God do you know? You don't know God through Nollywood? Never. You don't know God through Google? You know about God from the preachings of your pastor, but you know God one-on-one. So, seek genuine encounter so that you may have revelation knowledge of God. Nobody can gift you revelation knowledge. There is no such gift in the Bible as the gift of revelation knowledge. You have the spirit of knowledge. You don't have the gift of knowledge. Are you getting what I'm saying? So when you meditate, revelation knowledge will come. God will reveal himself to you. This is who I am. Look, I love you. I care about you. The devil keeps hammering in your ears. God doesn't love you. God doesn't care. That's why you are where you are. Hey, when you meditate, God will reveal his love to you. And this is what I'm begging you to venture into. Lord, I really, really, really want to know your love. Because it is what you know that will deliver you in the middle of the storm. What you know. The difference between Jesus and the disciples, what he knew. They woke him up. Mark chapter 4 that we just read. Master, don't you care that we perish? What they knew was that the storm would kill them. He was in the storm now. And he was asleep on the pillow. Imagine if the disciples also joined him to sleep. Say, only one person be in charge of the ship. But the rest of us, she be master sleeping. Let's go out. Let's, let, all of us will take pillow. Do you think they would have drowned? You can't drown Jesus. He was with them. He was so close to them. He was in the same ship with them. The storm came. They didn't know what to do. 
Ignorance is a major problem in the body of Christ today. That's why many, many are still puppets to commercial prophets. They've turned their lives anyhow. People's businesses have been run down by commercial prophets they met on Facebook. Say, ah, that man can pray. Ah, God has put something in his mouth. And then the man will tell you, sell everything, bring the money. I will use the money to do special prayer for you. And then your business will... People have sold everything. They brought the money to the man. The man used the money to eat his ear. And nothing has happened for them in terms of good things. Bad things have only happened to them. These are things I know. I know people in my family whose lives have been run down by prophets. Because they chose not to listen. What you know is what will deliver you. What you know. What you know. Hosea chapter 4 verse 6. I want you to look at that scripture. I can quote it, but I want you to look at it. Please, Hosea 4, 6. I want that on the screen, please. My people are destroyed. God speaking there. Did he say the people of the devil? No, please. I want you to respond. I need your response. Did he say the people of the devil? Whose people? God's people. God's people. God's own people. Eh? Till today, this scripture is still in force. My people are. He didn't say my people were. My people are destroyed because the devil is so powerful. My people are destroyed because the devil is so wicked and he subdues people. Oh, how a place I am in the case of my people. Why are they destroyed? Talk to me, church. This is talking to all of us. How much do you know? How much of God do you know? Look, let's get away with religion and a facade of godliness and spiritual you know, jingoism. People are some like they look very spiritual. How much of God do you know? <laughs> In the midnight, when trouble comes, pastor's phone will be off. Your parents' phones may be unavailable. What will deliver you in the storms of life? Jesus was in the same ship, yet the storm came. I'm born again. That doesn't mean storm won't come. But what do you know? My people are destroyed. Why? Because of the economy of Nigeria? For lack, lack of knowledge. They know nothing. The psalmist picked that up. I think that's Psalm 82 or so. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. And all the foundations of the world are out of course. He said, I have said, ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. He said, but you shall die like men and fall like the princes. Why? Because they know not. Because they know not. Yeah, Psalm 82 from verse 5. They know not. They don't know. They lack knowledge. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. He said, they know not. Neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness, meaning ignorance. Today, many are still glorifying the power of the devil in many churches. Every power, every satanic power, all their prayer point is all about power, power, enemy, enemy, altar, altar. Every altar, where my name, what's your problem? Why is it that it's only your name on every altar? Ignorance. They don't know what Christ has done for them. They don't know who they are in Christ. They don't know the grace available to them. Ordinary house fly just flies across the room. Ah, fire, 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 blood of Jesus, right? 
Someone told me, um, you need to pray. They are feeding my brother in the dream. You should stop eating the dream. I said, that's a good prayer. I said, but a higher level will be, let him enjoy the meal. And wake up and say, Father, I thank you for this meal. I don't need breakfast this morning. I bless your name because this meal they gave me will nourish my body. Is it not written in your Bible, Psalm 23, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies? So let the enemy even prepare the table. They will be your servers. They walk on in darkness and all the foundations of the earth are out of course. Why? I have said ye are gods and all of you are children of the most high, but you shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. God does not want this to happen. So God himself was hammering on knowledge. They know not. They know not. They don't know. They don't know. The writer of Proverbs in Proverbs 11 verse 9 says, For the soul to be without knowledge is not good. For the soul to be without knowledge is not good. That's Proverbs. That should be. Okay, give me Proverbs 11 9. And, I want to, and then we'll go to Proverbs 19.2. I think it's 19.2 that says, for the soul without, to be without knowledge is not good. Proverbs 19.2 says, for the soul to be without knowledge is not good. But I want to show you something. Yeah, Proverbs 11.9. Look at this. Let's read together, everybody. An hypocrite without destroyeth his neighbor. All right? So we'll be dealing with hypocrisy this morning. The believers, Bible, uh, the discipleship class. But the big part of this scripture is where I'm going. But through knowledge shall the just be delivered. Who are the just? Those who are born again. Who have been justified by the blood of Jesus. How will they be delivered? Through laying on of hands. Thank God for that. Thank God for corporate prayer. Thank God for anointing oil. Thank God for whatever we do. But hey, all those will not deliver you. What will deliver you is knowledge. Through knowledge shall, be, shall the just be delivered. Through knowledge. So take away knowledge, the just shall remain in bondage. Are you getting what I'm saying? So if you are going through uncertain times now, seek knowledge. Lord, what do you want me to learn in this situation? What do you want me to know? How do you want me to handle it? One inspiration from God. You are off. Through knowledge shall the righteous be delivered. Paul the apostle said in Galatians 2.2, I went up by revelation. Revelation takes you to the next level. And there are next levels in Christ. Some of us are on the same spot for too long. You need to begin to make progress. Revelation knowledge. I went up. I went up by revelation. You don't go down by revelation. You always go up. It helps you to change levels. Revelation knowledge. What do you know? John 8.32 says, and you shall know the truth. K-N-O-W. And you shall genasco the truth. And the truth that you know shall make you free. Not set you free. Make you free. Make you are made free. Glory be to God. I said glory be to God. What do you know? Through knowledge shall the, shall the righteous be delivered. Isaiah 33 and verse 6. It said, and wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times. And the strength of salvation, the fear of the Lord is his treasure. We are talking about unstable times, uncertain times. Your ship being rocked. On the storm, in the storms of life, your ship is being rocked. These are uncertain times, unstable times. Look at what the word of God offers. He said, and wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of thy times. What is wisdom? The application of knowledge. So it still boils down to knowledge. Without knowledge, you can't talk about wisdom. Because wisdom is the application of what you know. Through knowledge, Shall the just be delivered? People think when you go for a deliverance service, that's where you get deliverance. Yeah, demons can be cast out in the deliverance service. But for you to stay delivered, you need knowledge. Revelation knowledge. For you to know who you are in Christ. 
Do you also know that grace and peace are multiplied through knowledge? Unmerited favor and the shalom of God. You need peace when you're going through the storms of life. God can give you peace in the middle of the storm. That was why Jesus could sleep in a storm. That was why Peter could sleep even though he was fastened to two soldiers and he was going to be beheaded the next day. You don't sleep, no. That's not the time to sleep. But Peter slept. They tell you tomorrow, we are, they are killing you, we are going to cut off your head. Which kind of sleep will you sleep? You'll be awake all night. Your mind racing through. Ah, oh God, so I will not see my friends again. Ah, all the, all the plans I had. Peter slept. Because knowledge and wisdom shall be the stability of your times. What do you know? I keep asking this question because I want it to ring in your spirit. 2 Peter 1, verses 2 to 3. 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 2 and 3. It's a grace and peace, unmerited favor. We are talking about trusting God in uncertain times. These are the times you need the favor of God. Favor to do for you what money cannot do. Favor in places that are strange. Favor with strange people. Favor in places where you don't know any man. So, grace is unmerited favor. And peace be multiplied unto you. How? Through the knowledge of God and of our Lord Jesus. Knowing God will give you favor and give you peace. Grace and peace are multiplied through knowledge. Some things come through fasting and prayer. Some things come through giving. Some, some things come through your service to God. In the house of God, you find the ministry, you get your hands dirty there, you start serving God. Some things come. Grace and peace come. They are multiplied, rather, they are multiplied through, through the knowledge of God. So as you increase in the knowledge of God, you increase in grace and peace. Can I have an amen to that? Can I have an amen to that? That's the word of God. I'm giving it to you this morning raw. Because I want somebody to be dissatisfied with your comatose Christian life. Some of you don't read your Bible at all. You get to read it only on Sunday when you come to church and Thursday. <laughs> if you know what you are doing, if you want to do yourself a favor, you begin to get into the word of God and become intentional about it. And I mean set aside time. 30 minutes every day or one hour every day. And that time your phone is on flight mode so you can get revelation from the word. Revelation knowledge is what will set you free. The just are delivered through knowledge. What do you know? What you know matters in the middle of the storms of life. Abraham knew God as his Jairah, his El Shaddai. He was going to sacrifice his son. God said, no, don't kill that boy. I have a ram in the ticket. From that moment, he named that place Jehovah Jireh. It's the name of a place. Abraham named that place. God, my provider. The one who sees me and who supplies. El Shaddai, the full-breasted one. These were men that knew God. Because they had encounters with him. Isaac knew God. He was the one to be slaughtered. He was there when God told Abraham, look at the ram. Isaac saw the ram. Isaac saw God provide the ram instead of him. And from that point, God became the fear of Isaac. Jacob captured this in Genesis 37 and verse 41. Jacob was speaking to Laban, his uncle, who was trying to swindle him. And he said to him, 37 and verse 41, I said, or oh, it's not up to verse 41, it must be there, it must be there, it's in 37, it's in 37. Genesis 30, or is it 31, 47? Check 31, 47 for me. 31, 47. Okay, that's good. And Laban called it, whatever, now is in that chapter, glory be to God. Uh... I don't like to be slowed down. He said, God, if not that the God of my father is with me, the God of Abraham, the fear of Isaac. That was how he put it. The God of Abraham, the fear of Isaac. Have you found the verse? 
Verse what? 31. 23. I'm having, please, do you know what you're saying? 3142. This is the one I'm looking for. Thank you. It's 3142. What did I say? 37? Okay. Thank you. 3142. Except, except the God of my father, the God of Abraham, the fear of Isaac. That's why I've been sweating to get this. That, that's the phrase I need. The fear of Isaac had been with me. Surely thou had sent me away now empty. God has seen my affliction and the labor of my hands and rebuked thee yesternight. Look at what he called God. He said the God of my father, the God of Abraham. Abraham was his grandfather. And then in the case of his father, Isaac, instead of saying the God of Isaac, he said the God of Abraham, the fear of Isaac. Why? Isaac grew in the fear of God. Isaac saw Abraham serve God with all his heart. Isaac was there when he was going to be slaughtered. He was the one, he was the lamb to be slaughtered. A figure of Christ to come. But hey, God said, Abraham, stay thy hand. Don't kill that boy. I've got an alternative for myself. I've prepared a ram in the thicket. Go and take that ram. That's what, what the Muslims call Elijah. Because Abraham reached for that animal and sacrificed instead of Isaac, his son. So Isaac was there. He didn't, he, he didn't have to be told. He knew everything. And God became his fear. Isaac became a just man. Serving the God of his father, Abraham. Jacob followed the same suit. Today we say the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What do you know? about God. How much of God do you know? Isaac knew God so much that even when Jacob lied to him that day he was going to bless Esau, the firstborn, and he mistakenly gave the blessing to Jacob. Before he gave him that blessing, he said to Esau, go and kill an animal, prepare venison, prepare barbecue for me, let me eat it and bless you. And Rebekah heard, and they did all their gimmicks, and then Jacob came. Jacob brought the meal. Isaac asked him, my son. This will be in Genesis 27. Genesis 27, and I think verse 20. He said, how come you have found it so quickly? How come that you have found it so quickly? Verse 20, verse 20. Genesis 27, verse 20. I hope the speaker upstairs is working. Though. Isaac said to him, how is it that you have found it so quickly? How come? Look at what Jacob said. Jacob said, because the Lord your God brought it to me. And Isaac believed him. Why would Isaac believe that? It's like me telling you, um, now please go to Ofada place at Bodija. Go and get me Ofada rice and get me etc. etc. Naturally, I have an expectation of the estimated time of the journey. Is that right? Give or take 20 minutes. 10 minutes will probably get you there or 5 minutes will get you there. They have, you have to book and then you pay and then they will serve the food and then you don't have a car. You have to wait for a taxi to bring you back. So, I mean, if you do it in 15 minutes, I'll be surprised. Imagine now getting it done in 5 minutes. Ah, uh -huh. I didn't ask you to go to Mokala Market. I said go to Bodija or Father Place. Say, ah, yes, I, I, I've returned. I, I, I got it so quickly. Jacob said, the Lord your God. Because he knew that Isaac knew God. So he quickly roped God into the situation. He factored God in. He said, it was your Lord, the Lord your God that brought it to me. Why did Isaac believe him? Because Isaac must have believed in a God that does things with speed. That's a revelation there. If you don't get it, you don't get it. May the Lord have mercy on you. I, I, I labored to get this also. I, I stayed on that scripture and the Holy Ghost showed me God can collapse time. In 1 Kings 18 and verse 56, the Bible says the hand of the Lord was upon Elijah 
and he outran. Maybe 46. He outran. I think 46. It stops at verse 46. That chapter stops at verse 46. He outran the, the chariot of Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. What do you think is happening there? Supernatural speed. How can a man outrun the chariot of a king? Understand that the best and the healthiest horses are the ones that are given to the king to be in his chariot. So the king's chariot must be the fastest. Back in the day, those kings went to war. And you want to be fast. You don't want to be slow. And a man outran a horse. Even till today, can a man outrun a horse? But the hand of the Lord came upon him and gave him speed. There's a place in the New Testament, I won't tell you. Go and do your research. But telling you everything is like I'm, over, I'm, I'm, I'm overfeeding or spoon feeding you. Jesus entered into a ship and immediately the ship landed. The ship got to the land. And the disciples were in the ship. They were expecting him. So you have an idea where to Google. They ran. Now he walked to them. Immediately entered into the ship. Immediately. The ship was in the middle of the sea. The ship got to the land. It got to their destination. What do you call that? Supernatural acceleration. Collapsing time in your favor. Some of you have lost time. You have lost opportunities. By the mercy of God, before this year is over, God will collapse time in your favor. You remember the account of a man who was at the gate beautiful, Act chapter, chapter 3. The Bible says he was laid at the gate called beautiful daily. He was lame from his mother's womb. He had never walked. Peter and John came to the temple in the hour of prayer and they saw him at the gate and he asked them for money and they said, look, silver or gold have I none but such as I have, give I unto thee. What is your such as I have? In the name of Jesus of Nazareth, Rise up and walk. All they had was the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Silver and gold they don't have, but such as I have. What is your own such as I have? What do you know? Peter knew the name could do a miracle. And look at what happened. That miracle collapsed time for that young man. He had never walked. So normally if he had never walked, and the man is over 40, he would need to learn to take baby steps first. He had never walked. He would need the services of a physiotherapist to help him walk. Same day, he started jumping and leaping and walking and dancing and praising God with them in the tabernacle. Talk about the God who collapses time. That was what Isaac knew. Isaac knew God could bring it. If he's God, he can bring it now. He can bring it prepared if he likes. Oh, oh, oh. He said to Elijah, go and hide yourself by the brook Cherith. And a raven will feed you there. Ravens brought bread and meat in the morning. Bread and meat at night. Where did they prepare the food? I don't know. But God brought food. The same God that can bring raw food, foodstuffs that is uncooked, can bring the one that is cooked. In 2 Kings, I believe, chapter 7, at the gate of Samaria, Elisha prophesied, tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel. And the next day, there was abundance of raw food. Who provided it? God. The same God provided for Elijah prepared food. Have you ever been fed by God? Has God ever put it in the heart of somebody to buy you food? Have you ever received lunch or dinner or breakfast? You have never been in a situation where you were stranded and somebody said, I'm buying you lunch. Nobody in this church? Nobody has bought you lunch? Let me see your hand. If you have ever, somebody has bought you lunch before or breakfast or dinner. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Okay. Oh, ah. I thought you have never been favored. I was going to say, I need to conduct deliverance for you. What do you know? Isaac knew something. 
That was why he fell flat for Jacob's lie. It wasn't because of Jacob's lie, but because of his knowledge of God. He said, the Lord your God brought it quickly. I pray for you. Whatever has been delayed in your life up until this time, this week, this month, this year, the Lord your God will bring it quickly in the name of Jesus. Shout a better amen. amen. As I begin to prepare to close, I gave you an assignment last week, 1 John 4, 16. And we have known and have believed the love that God has to us. God is love. He that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God and God in him. If you need to know anything in the middle of your storms, in the middle of uncertain times, you need to have a revelation of the love of God. What you know will set you free. <laughs> what you know will deliver you. What you know, what you know. If I ask you now, what do you know about God? Some of you know him as a healer, but you don't know him as a provider. So you are healed, but you are broke. Now, some know him as a provider. They don't know him as a healer. So they have plenty of resources, but they are sick. Now, some just know him as a redeemer. He just saved me. I got born again, that's all. And their lives are miserable. They are born again, but they are miserable. Why would you know a little bit of God and, and, and stay satisfied and, and complacent? The Bible says, woe to them that are complacent in Zion. You can't be complacent. Do you know him as a deliverer? In the middle of his storms, Paul the apostle knew him as a deliverer. 2 Corinthians 1, 8-10, to 10, quickly. He said, we will not have you ignorant, brethren, of our trouble that came to us in Asia. Come on, on the screen. Of our trouble that came to us in Asia. He said, that we were, come on, come on, you skipped something. That we were pressed out of measure, above strength, in so much that we despaired even of life. He said, but we had sentence of death in ourselves, meaning that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God who raises the dead. Paul knew that even if we die, he said, God can raise us. Amen. <laughs> now, he said in verse 10, come on, go on, go on now. Who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. We almost died. He delivered us. He is still delivering us right now. So if anything shows up tomorrow, he will deliver. That's revelation knowledge. That doesn't come by head knowledge. That comes by heart knowledge. Revelation knowledge. That no matter what comes my way, God has got my back. Are you with me, church? Are you with me, church? Paul came face to face with death. He said, in fact, we came to a point that we almost died. We came to the end of ourselves. We came to the point that we couldn't trust in ourselves anymore, but in the living God. Are you trusting in your degree to sustain you in these uncertain times? Are you trusting the people you know to sustain you in these uncertain times? If your trust is still in things or in people, you have misplaced your trust. You had better put your trust in God and not in princes. Are you with me now? Thank God for those people you know. Thank God for the education you have. Thank God for the background and your connections. But I want you to put your trust in God because only God will remain. Those things can be shaken. You cease from man whose breath is in his nostrils. What can it be accounted of? Isaiah 2 and verse 22. Are you with me this morning? What did Paul know that stabilized him? He knew God as a deliverer. What do you think stabilized Daniel in the den of lions? What do you think stabilized Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They told the king, we are not careful to answer you in this matter. Our God whom we serve is able to deliver us and he will deliver. They didn't say even if he does not deliver. People have taught us that over the years. I don't have time to dwell on that this morning, but I will show you. You will now tell me where they said if he does not deliver us. If it be so, what be so? The king threatened. By the time you hear the sound of the dulcimer, the harp, and the cornet, the musical equipment, blown 
if you don't bow up and worship my image, I will cast you into the fire. Woo! <laughs> that was a threat to their lives. The young men didn't think about it. They told them straight. They told them straight. We are not careful. Give me that verse. We are not careful to answer you in this matter. Daniel 3.16. They said, live long, O Kingo. We are not careful to answer you in this matter. We are not thinking about it. We are giving an answer straight. We are not exercising caution. That's the meaning of we are not careful. We are not exercising caution in answering you. We answer you right now. These guys were schooled. They knew the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. They knew how he delivered Abraham, delivered Isaac, delivered Jacob. They said to him, go on now, next verse. If it be so, let's explain that to ourselves. If what be so, the king threatened, if you don't bow, I will throw you in the fire. If it be so, that is, if you throw us in the fire. Is that, is that simple enough? Do we need rocket science for this? Sorry, is this simple enough? If it be so, that is, if you throw us in the fire. Our God! <laughs> Trusting God in uncertain times. This was an uncertain time for them. It's like the government issuing a warning. If you open any church, Sunday, the August 28th, I will order the Nigerian army to fire everybody there. Many churches will not be open. Pastors say, Let's, let me save the lives of my children. But some churches will be open. If it be so. If you send the army to fire us, our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us. Listen. Did they question the ability of God? Come on, come on, talk to me now. Our God whom we serve might deliver us. Did they say that? Is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. They spoke about his ability. Number two, they spoke about his willingness. Ability is one thing. Willingness is another. He is able. He has the resources. He is willing. He actually wants to do it. He will do it. They didn't say, and he might deliver us out of thy hand. What did they say to him? Come on, make it louder. Make it louder. Make it louder. There are two words you should watch out for in the Bible. Will and shall. Will and shall. And he will deliver us out of thine hand, O king. End of discussion. He will. Not he might. He will. Somebody let me tell your neighbor, say God will deliver you. Go to the next verse. But if not, this is where the misinterpretation has come in. This is where people say, but if he does not deliver us. Did they say if he does not deliver us? The previous verse, they say, if it be so. What be so? If you throw us in the fire, our God is able and he will deliver us out of your hand. But if not, that is, if you don't throw us in the fire, if you change your mind, look, we are not going to negotiate. Be it known unto you, O king, that we will not serve your gods, nor worship the golden image which you have set up. Don't think you have done us a favor by not throwing us in. We are still not going to serve you. Ah, ah, come on now. Receive understanding in Jesus' name. Pastor, if you slap me, I will not call you brother. If you don't slap me, I still will not call you brother. That's what they said. Now, let us look at the other interpretation people give to it. They say, if you, does not, if you don't throw us, uh, um, but if not, if God does not deliver us, does this make sense? If God does not deliver us, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods, nor worship the golden image which you have set up. They would have burnt. They would have become barbecue. So there's no option of, we will not bow. Even our dead body will not bow. Oh. You know, your dead body doesn't do anything. What is on this year? Asu? Are you getting what I'm saying? May God give you understanding. What do you know? These guys went into the fire with the knowledge they had. Don't forget, Proverbs 11.9. The B part of it says, 
but through knowledge shall the just be delivered. Is this a true prayer? Is said true knowledge? Prayer is good, especially when you pray with knowledge. We don't pray for victory, we pray from victory. Are you with me this morning? Are you with me this morning? Our God, when you say our God whom we serve will deliver us, but if he does not deliver himself, we will still not serve you. You have put a condition there. You have put a plan B there. Faith doesn't have a plan B. My God will deliver me. But if he does not deliver me, cuckoo say, my God may or may not deliver me. Don't say he will. Are you getting what I'm saying now? When we go to church on Sunday, our pastor will preach. But even though if he does not preach, we we'll still have a service all the same. No. If you are not sure pastor will preach, ah, pastor may preach oh, or he may invite someone else. So, ah, are you getting what I'm saying? But pastor is in service. He will preach. Lord, give us understanding. This thing has damaged our faith in God. Many people have seen God as a God who may deliver sometimes. But sometimes he may not deliver. Sometimes he may provide. Sometimes he may not provide. If that is the God we serve, we are in danger. Because that will mean that sometimes we may be saved. And when we die, maybe we may go to heaven. But because we are not sure now, oh, so that if we die, oh, we do not go to hell. Ask some Christians, are you saved? Ah, only God that knows someone saved, oh. Only God knows better make heaven. Oh. It's only God that can tell you then. Please backslide. Cuckoo, go and serve the devil. So that you know that when you are done, you know where you are going. Do you know that people that serve them, they already, some people, their minds are made up. They know where they're going. There's no doubt that hey, if the devil does not, if he has mercy on me, he will throw me into heaven. No. They say, look, I want to go to that hell. But Christians, they don't know whether they will make heaven or not. So we are not different from the herbalists. Or no, no, men, it's your lie. Only heaven knows the person that will make it, make it to heaven. What nonsense. Where's the assurance of our salvation? Where's our faith in Jesus? This thing boils down to ignorance. It's not a matter of how many years you've been born again. Mm -mm. It's a question of the quality time you spend in the presence of God. For God to teach you his word. It is what you know that will deliver you through the uncertain periods of life. What did Paul know? Our God, he who delivered us, listen, from so great a death and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he might still deliver us. Was that what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 1.10? Come and talk to me, church. What did he say? In whom we trust that he will yet deliver. Ah, ah, that's the way a believer speaks. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Not my God may make me broke some, some time, sometimes, sometimes. We don't serve a gambler as a God. The prodigal son in Luke chapter 15. Verses 11 to 24. In verse 17, the guy knew something about his father. The Bible says, when he came to himself, one translation says he came to his senses. He said, how many hired servants of my father's have bread enough to eat and to spare? And I perish with hunger? I'm going back home. He knew the wealth of his father. He knew the worth of his father. Do you know the worth? You might, of course, you don't know the worth of God. But you have an idea. The provisions of Calvary. That guy said, He was eating the husks. Husks that were meant for the pigs. He will fill his belly with husks. Shukwagbadu. Ekwege. He will feed himself with rubbish. Ah! One day said, oh, oh, receive common sense in Jesus' name. 
I know my dad. My dad is not broke. My dad is not broke. His servants, ah, his servants were rich. They had more than enough to spare. And we go back home. And when he went back home, he went back into abundance. Can I have an amen to that? He's a proverb for us to learn, to learn. He's a parable for us to learn. What do you know about your God? Nigeria economy will crumble. It has crumbled. It is crumbling. It is zero. Hey, but my God shall supply all. How many of your needs? You are not convinced. If you are convinced, you shouted well. Does that include your school fees? When has to cause us strife? Does that include the clothes you need? The books you need? The food you will eat? And all the other bills of your family? And for you to even be a blessing to your roommates? Please know God. I'm begging you today. The greatest gift I can give you is to beg you to know God. Because I can't give you the gift of the knowledge of God. I can do my best as a pastor to show you what I know. But you have a duty to go one-on-one, you and God alone, and say, God, I want to know you. Samson, in his backslidden state, knew God as a God that answers prayers. Has God answered his prayer before? Yes. You remember... Oh, Lord, have mercy. In Judges 15 and verse 19, he prayed to God, God, I die of thirst. I've finished 1,000 Philistines. Give me water. He prayed and God answered. A stream broke open. Samson named the stream En-Hakore. By interpretation, the stream of him that prayed. Somebody prayed and a stream came forth. By the next chapter, it was backsliding. They removed his eyes. Judges 16. And in verse 22, he began to pray. He said, God, I know I've made a mistake. I know I've messed up. But I know you, that you're a God that answers prayers. 22 to 30. He said, one more time, strengthen me. His hair began to grow again. He says, strengthen me so that I can avenge the Philistines, or you avenge me upon the Philistines of my two eyes that have been taken. And as the Spirit of God came upon him, he told one young man, put my hands on the pillars of the house. There were thousands of them in that building. And the Spirit came and he collapsed the building. Now, notice the prayer. He said, let me die with the Philistines. And he died with them. And the Bible says he killed more Philistines at his death, more than when he was alive. But was that the perfect plan of God for his life? No. But do you know that even in that state, if he had said, Lord, I want to kill these Philistines. I want to live. And I want to have my eyes back. Is God able to give him brand new eyes? There are spare body parts in heaven. God honored his prayer. He said he wanted to die with the Philistines. When some Christians die, stop shouting, God, why? God, why? You don't know their prayer. You don't know what they told God. Maybe they got satisfied. At 52. Lord, enough is enough. Oh, let me come home. And God will grant their wish. God doesn't break the will of man. But one thing I want you to learn from that story is that even in this backsliding state, he knew God as God that answers prayers. And God granted his wish. He remembered the God of Enahakore. From next week, next week actually by the grace of God, I want to teach you lessons that we can learn from uncertain times. That's where I'm going to take it up. I won't start it today. Otherwise, I'll be tempted to continue. Lessons that you can learn. Lessons to be learned from uncertain times. Look, when trouble comes, there's always a blessing in the storm. There's something to learn. Something to make us better. 
All right? Something that God wants us to know. Our prayer sometimes should not quickly be, Lord, deliver me from this situation. Yes, he will deliver. But Lord, what do you want me to learn in this situation even as you deliver me from it? Are you getting what I'm saying now? I will show you some scriptures and then we'll look at it. What are the lessons to learn from uncertain times? You would assume that the whole world learned compassion when COVID happened, when there was lockdown, when nobody could go anywhere. For the first time in my, in my life, I learned that airports were shut down. <laughs> I'm a traveler. I've been to the airport several times by the grace of God, not just in this country. I know how busy an airport could be. No human being moving around. What? Departure lounge, nobody. Arrival lounge, nobody. The planes there, they were there, rusting away on the runway, at the hangar. And people started giving foodstuff, sharing, you know, some humanitarian activities were going on. You would think that at the end of that COVID, the world would be a better place. Human beings would be kinder and nicer. What has happened in our country? Politicians, first of all, kept the stimulus packages away in factories until Gary kicked. For you to know the wickedness in their hearts. Look at what our nation has become. People forget that they will die someday. During the COVID, a lot of people died. A lot of people lost their loved ones. You would think that everybody had learned that, hey, life is not about stuff, stuff, stuff. My Prado Jeep. Ah, don't touch my Homer. Don't go near my Escalade. Ah, ah. Nobody could drive. People had cars. They couldn't drive. Where are you going? People had clothes. They did not wear. All of us, we had clothes and shoes. My shoes were there gathering dust. Where are you going? When you have a Zoom meeting, People would wear suit, wear the shirt and tie, and then wear boxer shorts to pose for Zoom. If they told us to be dressing after after Zoom, say okay after the COVID now, after the lockdown, everybody begin to dress, continue to dress like that. Uh, we all look like comedians. For the first time, it it occurred to us that life, the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter six and verse twenty-five. Is your body not more important than raiment? Is your life not more important than clothes? For the first time, that scripture came alive. Matthew 6, 25, 26. But what has happened after? We learned nothing. People learned nothing. You know why? Circumstances really are not the teacher's of the children of God. The Holy Spirit is the teacher of the children of God. He may use circumstances, but he is the teacher. He may use situations, but he is the teacher. How many are listening to the teacher? Stand on your feet, everybody. I'll take it up from there next week. Father, we honor you.